and I'm excited to bring the third message in our series called I Choose. And uh, if you haven't listened to the first two messages, I really encourage you to go back and listen because they are really powerful. You know, Pastor Greg started with a message on purpose over popularity. And then last week, uh, Pastor Ed brought a message on urgent versus important. And today, mine is going to kind of dovetail right in between those, and it's discipline over regret. So I have a question, a couple of questions for you guys. How many of you have a regret in your life that if you could, you would go back and do it differently? Anybody? So quite a few of you. Um, and I have them too, but I've found when I think about the regrets like that, almost all of them, I've had control over them. And I was one of, the, one of the reasons that I have the regret. So how many of you guys are, consider yourself to be di pretty disciplined in your life? Danny, that's you. Anybody else disciplined in your life? All right, so I'm going to ask you another question. How many of you guys know this guy? Anybody know him? So his name is Morgan Spurlock. And a number of you gen younger generation are going to know him by this. Supersize me. All right? So Morgan was a 32-year-old guy, and he decided to do a documentary and make a film. So what he did, he ate McDonald's three times a day for 30 days. Very disciplined for 30 days. He ate every item on the McDonald's menu at least once. So during his 30 days... You and I, in a normal diet, would take in about 2,000 calories. Morgan took in over 5,000 calories a day. The equivalent of 9.26 Big Macs every day. That's just disgusting. <laughs> so, um, as a result, he gained 24 pounds in 30 days. He experienced a 13% increase in his body mass. He increased his cholesterol to 230 and he experienced mood swings, sexual dysfunction, and a fat accumulation in his liver. So he's basically a hot mess. <laughs> but it took this guy 14 months to lose all the weight that he put on in this 30 days under the supervision of a, of, a, of a chef who gave him a vegan diet. And he did it as a documentary to prove a point. But the thing is, it wasn't forced on him. He chose it, right? And you and I could look at this and say... What an idiot. Who, who would choose that, right? And it might be a small thing or a big thing, but you and I make choices every day that are equally as stupid, right? That have serious consequences and serious regrets. But we keep deciding to do them every day. So I looked at the Bible and found somebody else who understands what discipline is. And I, came, I just come up with the Apostle Paul. So... This is a guy that when I get to heaven, I'm going to put my, my hat in the ring to be able to sit down and have lunch with him. But Paul says this, and he gets it in Romans. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. And if I do not do what I want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that the good itself does not dwell within me, that is, my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, 
but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work at me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, even Paul, for as disciplined as he was in his life, even before he became a Christian, he was equally as disciplined to persecute Christians, but he became a Christian and he was equally as disciplined when he was. But even he can't always make the right decisions. <clears throat> and here's the bottom line when we come to talking about a disciplined life. If you don't take anything else away from what I say for the next whatever minutes, just take this. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. So let me say it again. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. So think about it. What's that? Okay, well. Um, so, so think about this for a minute. You want to lose weight. And you go to Dunkin' Donuts to order a coffee. And staring at you from the rack is the chocolate donut with chocolate frosting and glaze on it. You have to make a decision right then and there. What do I want most, which is to lose weight, or what do I want now, which is that donut? Right? The donut, right? <laughs> For many people, that's true. On my keychain, I have a membership to Gold's Gym. And my wife makes fun of me because I've, I've had it for years and I haven't gone since May. But I pay for it every day, I mean every month. It makes me feel good to have to pay for it because I must be healthy. I pay for the gym. I just don't go. But I belong. So what is more important? I want to be healthy. I want to, to, to have that exercise routine. But obviously it's not what I want most because I decide what I want now and it trumps that every time. I'm getting there. You know, when we were, when our kids were young, we have three kids. Karen and I, my wife and I, laid out what we wanted to accomplish with our kids. We wanted them to, to know God. We wanted them to respect other people. We wanted them to respect authority and respect themselves. We had two kids, which were great, when, then we had a third, Megan. And if you know my Megan, Megan equaled three kids, and we didn't have any more. <laughs> Me Megan was a firecracker. She was a pistol. When she came out of the womb, she already knew how to press my buttons. And so when she was four, I think it was, we used to read under a lamp in our living room at night until the kids got tired, then we'd put them to bed. And one night I was reading to Megan and um, came time for bed. She's falling asleep. And I said, okay, Meg, time to go to bed. And I said, grab your book and head upstairs. And she looked at me and she said, no. I said, oh, really? Hmm. I said, Megan, grab your book and go to bed. And she started walking off to bed. And I said, Megan, grab your book. And she said, No. Oh, we're going at it. So <laughs> I said, come here, sit down. And I said, you can go to bed when you're going to grab your book and go upstairs, okay? So she sat there, and she'd start leaning over and fall asleep, and I'd prop her back up, and I'd say, no, Meg, stay awake. You, you stay awake the whole time until you're ready to go to bed. We sat there for a half an hour. And I'm like, Megan, you can go to bed. Just grab your book. We sat there for an hour. We sat there for an hour and a half. What I wanted most was to have a godly child 
One I wanted now was to trade her in for a new model <laughs> that would listen. And I wanted to just throttle her, what I wanted now. We sat there for two hours, two hours. And, and finally, she gra just grabbed her book and she went upstairs to bed. What I wanted now, I had things to do. And I didn't want to, you know, hang that out. But it was a breaking moment for her. Something changed that night. Something broke that night that changed Megan. And from then on, it wasn't that she could have whatever she wanted. It was a power play. But I look at this and I think, you know, as parents, how many times do we give in and give what we want to our kids, what we want now, which is I want to be their friend. I want them to like me. And I, want, and I don't want to cause the pain of turning them down for something, which is achieving the goal of what we want most, is to raise good kids. Because, you know, if we continually give into what we want now, we'll never get what we want most, will we? And you can see this in our daily life and in our spiritual life. We have to be disciplined. And in our spiritual life, we have to be disciplined in order to get where God wants to take us. And we need to be disciplined so that we don't have regrets. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, he says this. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things, and they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control. And you know, the Corinthians knew exactly what he was talking about because they were the ones that hosted these games called the Isthmian Games. They were the precursor to the Olympics. So during the course of the year, all the athletes would train and they would train really hard to be able to do it. They would discipline their bodies to be able to win at these games. And Paul knew exactly what to say to these people. They had to know what they wanted most in order to choose over what they wanted now. They ran these games and they did them naked so that nothing would get in their way. They were so committed to these. I can tell you one thing, if I'm going to run a race with a bunch of naked men, I am winning. I am not going to be in second or third place. Just saying. But both discipline and regret both start with a choice, don't they? Is it discipline or is it regret? They both start with a choice. You and I have a gift of having choice in our life. It's a gift from God. So let's take a minute and let's talk about discipline. You know, I divide my life into four, area, four areas, and you might divide yours into areas, but first I'm a Christian with God. I'm a husband. I'm a father, and I'm a friend. I divide my life into those four categories, and I have to decide in each category of my life, what do I want most? And I have to know that. Then I need to decide what I'm going to have to do to achieve it. And I need to write it down, and I need to put it somewhere that I'm going to see it often so that I know why I do what I do each day. Then decide to stick to the plan, and each day, it becomes decision by decision, one decision at a time. You know, they say that the best way to eat an elephant is one bite, one bite at a time. It's one decision made over and over and over again. And lastly, find something that works for you to keep you accountable. Have a person 
hold you accountable. Have a system where you reward yourself for something that happens if you can stick to the decisions. Because the truth is, in your physical life, these decisions that we talk about and discipline, they have very real consequences. You know, maybe for you, it's, it's like I mentioned, health. You have to be disciplined to have health so that later on in life, you don't have the regret of failing health. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's the discipline to live within a budget and to live within your means so that later on you can have financial freedom and you don't have to have bankruptcy in your life and you're not tied to working forever because you were undisciplined younger. Maybe it's the discipline to leave work at work so that when you come home, you spend time with your wife and your kids so that you don't have the regret later on of kids that you don't have a relationship with or the regret of a divorce because you never put any time into your marriage. Maybe it's the discipline to meet up with or call people that you love before they're gone. And maybe it's the discipline to make decisions on the ur important versus urgent, like Ed talked about last week. You know, don't stop incorporating these things into your life. They're very powerful. But the problem is that most people aren't going to take the time to make these decisions, and life is going to pass them by. And before you know it, you're on the backside of that decision and you have regret. So let's talk about regret for a minute. What's the definition? The definition, feeling sad, repentant, or disappointed over something that one has done or failed to do. There's this lady called, her name is Bonnie Ware, and she's a palliative nurse. And she takes care of people who are on their deathbed. She's done this for years. And she got to the point that she was asking people who were dying on their deathbed, what's your, your biggest regret in life? And so she wrote a book that's called the, Fop, the Top Five Regrets of the Dying. And she recorded the top five, and this is, what she, this is what people told her on their deathbed. I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life that others expected of me. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. I wish I had stayed in touch with friends. I wish I had let myself be happier. You know, even these things, these top five regrets of people who are dying, they start with a decision and a discipline so that they don't have regrets. And you make that decision over and over again. You know, the physical life, Paul told that story about the race, but he's really talking about our spiritual life and having a spiritual discipline. And the Bible has a lot of spiritually disciplined people. When I thought about it, I thought, you know, there's a bunch that pop out. But Daniel pops out. Daniel prayed three times a day regardless. Even when he was told not to, he went up to his room and he prayed. And then you get Noah. Noah's out building a boat. He has no idea what an ocean is yet. And for years, he went out every day disciplined, and he worked on this boat. He had no idea why he was even building it. I think of Moses. He woke up every day for 40 years, and he led a, <laughs> a bunch of whiners around in the desert to the promised land. Disciplined. And I think of Jesus. Talk about the most disciplined guy. Jesus was so disciplined in his spiritual life, he knew exactly what God wanted of him and no regrets. So I ask you, what about you? Are you spiritually disciplined? What does that mean? What does it even mean to be spiritually disciplined? When I think of that, the only thing that really makes it even worth thinking about is the fact that we're all sitting here and most likely we all believe in one thing, that there's an eternity, that there's a heaven and that there's a hell, that Jesus came to save us so that we would spend. And, and if we don't believe that, then 
We shouldn't even be here. It's just a waste of time. But let's say that we do. We all agree on that. What's a spiritual discipline and a spiritual regret? A regret. So I heard an analogy one time, which I thought was really interesting. It was a story of a guy who died and he went to heaven. And when he got to heaven, God was giving him the tour and he took him into a warehouse and there were all these racks of boxes. And as he's walking around, he sees people's names on them. And he said, do I have a box? And God said, yes, you have a box. So he took him over to the aisle and he went down the aisle and he saw he had two boxes. And he said, wow, I got two boxes. What's in the box? And God said, what's in the box are the blessings and the opportunities that I wanted to give you. But you were either too busy or you didn't ask. And they were squandered, so you never got them. I think that would be a regret, don't you? I think another regret would be to look into the faces of the people that aren't in heaven and know that I had an opportunity to talk to them. I had an opportunity to tell them about my faith. I had an opportunity to pray with them. And I didn't do it. I didn't make time in my schedule. I think another regret would be sitting side by side with God and he can review my life with me. I don't think he's going to have to say a word, actually. I think it will be a regret to see all the missed opportunities that I had and all the times that I put me first and ignored the people that were around me. I think that would be a regret. Missed opportunities. So what about you? What do you want most? in your walk with Jesus? What do you want most in your spiritual life? Do you want to know the Bible better? Or maybe you want to hear God's voice better. Do you want to be more faithful? Do you want to learn how to share your faith with people? Do you want to stop doing something that you know you should stop doing because it's a sin? What is it that you want most? It's one decision at a time and remembering in the moment of what you want most more than what you want now. So here's my challenge to you. These messages that we've had, they're great. Ed's message and Greg's message, Ed started his with, and he said, this is life-changing. It's only life-changing if you put in the time and the effort. And so many of these times when we, we hear something that rings a bell and the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, and then it passes by and we forget we don't, we don't do anything with it. So here's my challenge. Take the time. Carve out time in your schedule to sit down and just sit with God and say, what is my purpose? What's my purpose? Sit down and think, what's really important to me versus urgent? And ask God, you know, what do I want most in life? And what am I willing to put in place in my life to get there? rather than just knowing what do, I want, what do I want now. So I want to pray for you for a minute. I want you just to take a second, just have a moment with God, with yourself. Heavenly Father, as we hear things like this, Lord, they truly can be life-changing. And for many of us, we make decisions each day that cut short what you'd have for us, Lord. So I pray, Father God, for these people here today that you would just touch their heart, create the desire in them to be able to see from an eternal perspective what's truly important and to be able to define what they want most in life, not what they just want now. Lord, we desire to please you. 
God, so I just want to create space for 30 seconds for people to just listen to you and hear what pops to the surface as they, as they spend time just listening. And maybe that's the one thing that you're putting on their heart that they need to concentrate on and to create in their life some space to realize what needs to be done and what they want most. So God, I pray that you would empower the people in this room, that when they get to the finish line, that they would be pleased and you would be even more pleased, Lord, that they wouldn't stand at the finish life of lie, finish line of life with regret, wishing they could have changed things. God, help these people to be victorious. We know that the enemy comes against each one of us each day, moment by moment, and he's ready. But we want to be more ready, God. So I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would infiltrate these people's lives all of our lives. Just give us power. Help us to do it differently. Help us to put a discipline in our life where we'd have victory every day instead of defeat, where we'd go, yes, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to make it so that I impact people. As Ed said, what is the thing in your life that would have the greatest impact if you changed one thing? It's so powerful. Holy Spirit, would you please put it on everybody's heart, what it is, and help us to recognize the difference between urgent versus important while we know our purpose and help us to choose what we want most over what we want now. God, just fill us with the power that we need to do this, Lord. I pray for your covering this week as we're with family this week and Thanksgiving. And some people are stressed about it. Some people are thrilled about it. Some people are dreading it, Lord. But help us to go into each family gathering with purpose and be so attentive and so listening to you, Lord, that we would know what we can do. There's so many opportunities that wait us a week this week to just share a moment of our faith for people who are lost and dying so that when we get to heaven, we don't have regrets. I pray for victories this week at Thanksgiving tables and time with family. I pray for healing, Lord, for those who have strained relationships. May you guide all of us through these times, Lord, and help it to be a wonderful time because we do owe thanks to you, God, for all of the blessings in our lives, all of those things in the boxes in the warehouse that we ask for so many times, and you bless us and you give so generously. So we thank you, Father God. We just lift up our upcoming week to you. Help us to walk in the light. In your name we pray, amen. So if you'd like prayer, if you want to draw a line in the sand today and you have something that you'd like to pray for, we'd love to pray for you. We'll have some people up here. And um, happy Thanksgiving. Have a great day.